never got the wish It's like the song is on a beat I kinda wish for you to see That you don't wanna mess with me Cause I am pink and skeleton And my blood is glittery Hello, everyone. It's another week, another grit and glitter. And this week we are talking about AEW's uh, Keystone, their their linchpin, their their foundation pay-per-view, All Out, held this past Sunday at the Now Arena in Chicago. I'm joined to talk about the women's action by Glitterati correspondent and, uh, and wrestling promoter to the stars, Mayday. I wouldn't go that far. Hello. <laughs> and of course, the font of knowledge for all things women's wrestling, the amazing, the incredible Kristen Ashley. I'm never going to live up to that. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Like way to hype us up. Right? I want Well, um I feel like maybe we all need a boost of positive reinforcement <laughs> after sure. after Sunday night. Um feeling like you know, maybe, maybe we need to learn, maybe some people, I won't say who, but maybe some people need to learn how to deliver feedback, um, with a kinder approach. Um, maybe, uh, uh, couching things a little bit more in, um, some positive reinforcement. Uh, I don't know, just an idea, just saying, just, just a thought. But I say that, uh, you're a font of women's wrestling knowledge. Um, but, Given the amount of women's wrestling in AEW, it doesn't really take a whole lot of study time to keep up. Well, no, yeah. I mean, I, I think anybody could probably Damn. be an expert. Yeah. Yes. Shots fired. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yes, I'm uh, here to here to talk straight to the man. Uh, so, yes, we had AEW's all-out pay-per-view. Um, I'm always in for watching this because I was at all-in. Were either of you at? all in back in 2018 no. uh, i think so yes yes i was <laughs> i love how it's like a seminal wrestling uh, benchmark for me and for mayday it's like i don't know maybe <laughs> maybe the well yeah i mean the years blend together right it's, but no i do. yeah and the only reason i i know that i was there and this is terrible is i remember the penis druids oh Yes. Um, wow. <laughs> that I mean, how how could one forget penis druids? Well, even if we well, like let's to also, let's also not like. I mean, they told us who they were right out of the gate. If I recall, there was a single women's match in All In. Yes, which we were all willing to just be like, okay, because no. we didn't know that it was necessarily going to lead to a promotion that was going to carry that ethos into the general practice for years now. Um, yeah. To be fair, there were two matches on the main card, as well as an intergender tag match. I can say intergender because it actually was. It was not a mixed tag rules match, as seems to be the favored by our major promotions. Instead, it actually was um, mostly, I think, in part because this AA, this AAA World Mixed Tag Team Championship is a like actual intergender title, and it has no restrictions or rules when it comes to men and women actually like laying hands on each other. So um, I was glad to see the spirit of that title being upheld in a match that actually, you know, did 
have intergender work in it. So I, I was wondering if AAA, if that was like part of the deal, like if, if we're going to have our title on your show, then like you have to respect our rules, because otherwise I cannot imagine AEW would have done actual mixed tag. I think it's probably part of the deal when it comes to that AAA title. I don't think that they want yeah. that title to be fought in anything other than like its truest form. I don't know how much That's control they have. Yeah. I don't know how much control they have over it or how seriously they take it, but I I like that if no matter what that spirit was much more prevalent than than what we typically see with an AEW mixed tag match. Yeah. Because there was not just like incidental touching here. There, there was lots of moves no, that they were wrestled that, each other. Yes, they did. There was yeah, and uh, I mean R- Ruby Soho is certainly no stranger to wrestling men. Um, most of these competitors are not, so it makes absolutely perfect sense that this was a a fair matchup. This was the AAA World Mixed Tag Team Championship match. Ty Mello and Sammy Guevara versus Ortiz and Ruby Soho. This was on, this kicked off the entire thing. This kicked off the zero hour, which was the pre-show. So uh, thoughts on this match? I love Uh, RJ City. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. We we do not deserve RJ City. Um, That was a great way to start the, the match and the show like it just they they did like a whole like red carpet who are you wearing but it went right into a heel promo sammy gets hit by a golf cart because of course he does and we are off the show has started yes so as we were talking about a little bit before uh we started recording um sammy guevara seems to have a kink and that kink is getting run down by a golf cart every 18 months or so um this was no exception and now that ty is working with him exclusively um looks like she's going to have to embrace that as well. Yeah. yeah I liked too, how they carried him to the ring. <laughs> yes. yeah. I mean, I think if you're thinking about it, like smartly, like it, I mean, it took some physical endurance to carry them from the backstage to the ring. So maybe it wasn't the smartest thing. Like you kind of want to save your energy, but it was a really good moment. And I think the crowd, like just, it really like, granted it was the first match, of the night but the crowd was super hot for it and it just started off right and honestly we i think we all can say safely or at least most of us that we love seeing them get hit with trash cans and get run over and then carried yes. like infants to the ring it really <laughs> it really started off the show on a right note i i appreciate that the trash can had trash in it yes <laughs> i i, I, love I suspect that. it was still probably a a, a prop trash can because it was like all yeah. just paper plates and cups and stuff like it wasn't actual trash but like stuff came out of the can when she hit her with it right I, I saw that and I kept wondering like I wonder if that was supposed to have stuff in it or if it was just like it was close enough to the audience that people mistook it for an actual trash can oh, I figured like, they put I figured they put like gimmick dry you know non-gross trash in there just specifically so stuff would fall out yeah, I mean, this is this is AEW. We're not talking about like a GCW show where that's probably real trash and there's definitely someone's like spit in there. Well, that's a possibility <laughs> too. <laughs> Bloody um, rags. <laughs> oh. I think you make hopefully a not, point. Hopefully not bloody rags. It was the first match of the show. Whose who's rags would they be? <laughs> well, I mean like GCW, right? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> Kristen, you make an interesting point. Actually, something I hadn't thought about, but might ex- might explain some of the 
I, I hate to say sloppy because I think it has such a negative connotation, but there was a lot of loose moments um, throughout the rest of the match that looked borderline unsafe. Like mm-hmm. it's hard to say if it was just working, uh, if it was just working extra stiff or if it was just not quite properly done, but it, it could, ha- there could be some explanation for that given how much energy was put into just the very first minute of this match. Yeah, I think so. I rewatched it. I watched it last night, obviously, and then I rewatched it today for notes. And I, I mean, I guess this morning when I rewatched it, I saw it as like pure emotion, mm-hmm. like less like clunky moves and more like they, they really just hate Sammy and, and <laughs> Ty. And maybe that's my own things, you know, my own emotions coming out. Like maybe I'm projecting, <laughs> but it felt like, okay, we just, you know, they built up for a while with this and we just hate you guys and we're just done with it. Um, I will say I was incredibly impressed with Ty. Like, I don't know if she's just been training more, but like some of the more, um, trickier spots or you know spots that she clearly clearly you know teamed up with with Sammy for was really she surprised me mm-hmm. and it was probably the first time that I've seen them do a, a match with this title that I felt like okay Ty belongs with this title now like I actually felt like this is a title holder to me not just you know a cute couple who kiss mid mid move like it, it, it really surprised me and I think like it was so high energy and they were so into it and maybe they were playing into people's you know injuries or something but um to me it just felt like raw emotion frankly yeah I like that read on it actually and I, I like this side of, of of Ty I I like when she goes into more of a like hardcore or like a, a physically um demanding a more intense uh avenue when it comes to her wrestling because I do think that she can do it and I like her I like her flexibility paired with like Sammy's just like general like his his moveset I think that they've done a really great job of being super irritating and being the kind of heels that get they get like near go away heat but I like what they can do with these belts and I like these belts being on like true heels um I think Ortiz and, and Ruby Soho had had decent counter sets here but if there was something for me that wasn't quite clicking um and maybe that was in intended like if there was some dissonance there that wasn't in the the tie and sammy matchup um but for me there were just a couple of moments where i felt like i expected them to pull off something in tandem and it didn't it didn't click yeah i get that i mean you know ty <laughs> at some point ty does uh so well that commentary can't even really comment they just start like you know laughing out of shock because she is doing so well and I think I I don't remember the exact move but I'm pretty sure that was when they were in tandem doing moves with each Mm -hmm. other and you know maybe it's because Ruby and Ortiz you know they're not a couple right so maybe that's the point is that they're they're supposed to be a little disconnected um but I, you know, I do think, I do think that Ruby definitely overshadowed Ortiz. Maybe mm-hmm. that's just because I prefer, <laughs> I prefer women's wrestling, but I do think she overshadowed. And, you know, me and, me and Warren were talking about this, Warren Hayes before this. And we think that maybe, especially with the intergender and um, the women being clearly overshadowing the guys that, you know, maybe AEW wants to slowly 
kind of introduced intergender to us, whether that's AAA's call or not. And, you know, in my opinion, the easiest way you do that is having the women overshadow the guys. And this is, you know, and honestly, the women's division could could use that spotlight. <laughs> they need something. One, 100%. And I actually think, um, it, I, I agree with you. I think that there were more moments that I took away about Ruby than I did with Ortiz, but I think that that was probably intentional. And I appreciate that, honestly, because I think it's a moment where you see like workers supporting workers and giving them a moment to really like to, to take that, that stage for all it's worth. Um, the parts of this match that didn't work for me are overshadowed by the parts that immensely did. I actually even liked the bit of interference that they did with Anna J. I, I'm still struggling with how they're using her now in her heel turn. Um, I don't. I, I want to see where that plan, where I want to see a plan. I want to see a trajectory, um, yeah. not even where it goes, but you know, evidence that there is one. Um, but I did think that the bit that was used with her made Ruby look even stronger and, and smart, which I thought, I thought was, you know, w- well in service to the match. So overall, um, I, I thought this was a decent match. I'm really glad um, that it kicked off the zero hour. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it was a great way to kick off a pre-show and get everyone kind of in the, the mood for shenanigans. Um, Guevara and Mello, they did um, retain, which I kind of, ex- I think most people expected to. And uh, the finish of the match was under speculation. People aren't, I, I don't know if there's been any further word about it, but like um, the take the take KO with, yeah. um, with landing like square on Ruby's nose, it looked like she might've broken her nose. Oh, yeah. she did. They, they she confirmed did. that. She, they did confirm yeah, that. she broke her nose. Jeez. I was catching up on some details this morning, so I haven't caught up on everything. Yeah. Um, but a lot. Yeah. There's a lot. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's true. Lot, Speaking of things to get caught up on. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, that that's they did confirm that her nose is broken. Yes. Yeah. They rushed her back pretty quickly. There was not a whole lot of um post-match stuff with her or Ortiz. It was pretty quick to get her to get her backstage. So I assume that that was legit. Well, hoping that it's nothing too, too serious. Um, And from there, we move from the pre-show into the full-on card, where we finally got what, after what seems like five years of build, we got (laughs) Jade Cargill versus Athena for the TBS championship. And I, and I say that because I, I feel like this had a lot of momentum and it stalled out and I don't entirely blame the booking here because it may have stalled for a bit due to injury for Chris Statlander, who was a part of this story when it first began. And because of injury, she's had to take a step back. So the reason that this has stretched out for as long as it is may have been unforeseen, but still it feels. I I will say, I will say that um, for all their many faults one of them is um for AEW, they're not the best at calling an audible when something goes wrong with their pre-laid plan if someone Mm -hmm. gets injured if someone goes down if someone you know whatever um a lot of times they'll just go into like a weird awkward holding pattern instead of just changing the story well especially with the women i mean it's just especially with the women because they don't have a plan B or they don't have multi-layers to work with. So it's not the easiest thing in the world for them to just be like, okay, well, this person is doing this. So we'll just, we can, we can push that agenda. Like pretty much the only person that they have that flexibility with is Britt Baker because she has a stable and they've 
they've spent time building that story between her and Jamie Hayter and et cetera. With Jade, it's much, it's been much more of a straightforward thing of like, here's Jade. She's a powerhouse. She was introduced to us as unstoppable and she continues to be so. And she has a stable. There's no discord. You know, she's had one of her members injured. They got a new woman. There was a little discord there, but that seems to have passed. Like there's just not much background that they've done anymore. The biggest thing they did with her recently was have her swap out managers. With Athena, like there has been a holding pattern. We got a lot of stuff at the beginning. There was stall out. There was a diversion. They had two weeks where it was focused on Madison Rain. And then they refocused on Athena to lead up to this match. And then it was like five minutes and none. It was four minutes and 20 seconds. Excuse me. (laughs) I, I think it doesn't qualify for a cage match listing because it's too short. That's insane. Oh, it's 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 in there now. They listed it at 440, but I had it at 422. Um, well, I mean, four, it's still under five minutes. Right, right. So my thought is, you know, I, I have seen them do in-ring audibles. I think they relied pretty heavily on their vets for that. Um, so I did see, you know, you can pretty much tell, right? Like when they're getting real close and when they're talking. And I see Thunder Rosa do it a few times. Um, and I've definitely seen Athena do it. And I can't tell if she did it last night or not, but the, the report was that it went under, that the match was shorter than it should have been. And honestly, and just, I mean, I don't have any proof for this. My thought is that Jade might've missed a few spots. Um, I, I, I feel like there just maybe was a skip in something. Maybe she started off and then they had to kind of um, uh, sort of improv it through because honestly that's what it felt like it was kind of clunky um and you know it was a tad messy and I, I thought originally maybe it's because they have different styles you know Jade is strength-based Athena's a flyer um but it, I was slightly disappointed with the match and I'm kind of just hoping it's because they just missed you know a string of moves or something and they had to call an audible um and it just it, but it, I was disappointed I mean at some point Jade's gonna have to back up this, you know, uh, win streak, right? She's gonna have to get it down, and um, not to say Athena doesn't make mistakes, but you know, in my opinion, it's probably Jade, and she's gonna need to work harder and longer to beat her established opponents. At some point, it's not gonna be believable that she's like forty-five and zero. Um, yeah. She, at some point, she's even if she still wins, she's gonna have, need to work harder, and the matches are going to be longer because. All of us know who Athena is. We all know where she came from and we know what she can do. And just to, you know, in four minutes, beat somebody like that. It just, at some point it becomes very unbelievable. And then you don't want to like Jade down the road um, as a, as a a title holder. Yeah. I'm, I'm having that issue. I think you, you pointed out the, the kind of flaw here in that the streak is getting longer than matches are not. So we're seeing, I don't want to, I know that people make disparaging comments about her abilities. I'm not one of them. I think Jade has enormous amount of promise in a short amount of time. She went from being okay to being much, much better and much improved. Her charisma is off the charts. She knows what she's doing in every aspect. She just still has a ceiling on what she can do in the ring. She does. It's okay. She's not that long into her career, but this is the risk that you take when you put a title on someone who's still fairly green and then you like that title is based around the idea that she is this like huge powerhouse, but she is. 
but she's not proving it aside from the big power moves. And when the matches don't get longer and the opponents can't get more out of her, it starts to make it look like we're in a, it starts to look like they just, they don't know what to do next. And it's, um, it doesn't make her look especially strong. It just makes the story itself seem weak and directionless. So we're getting into, I mean, 37 is a number. It's not a particularly interesting number, but it's a big number, but it's just not like, there's, there's nowhere to go here. Like everything that we do, any person they put up to her that looks like a legitimate threat, they have a five minute match and it's done. And they need to figure out how to build a credible feud so that they can get that belt away so that they can give her something else to do. Because as a heel, she's not even, she's not getting anything else to do as a heel. I, I, I do agree she's getting better. Um, I think, right, that she was being, tra- she's being trained by Danielson and, or sorry, yeah. And that she uh, really wants to, that she's very motivated. And I agree that there are intangibles that are not seen in the ring, like you said. Um, and, you know, her longest match was like 11 minutes with Marina Shafir. Um, but, you know, like Athena said in the promo um, before this, that's, you know, 37 in two years. And, you know, okay. And, you know, like her, her matches, she's defended the title a lot, but that's usually the matches she has. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to hear Mayday's thoughts. <laughs> I said, well, part of me is afraid that they're going to stretch it out to 50 and 0 before they do anything mm-hmm. just because it's a nice big, easy round number, but that's like what 13 more matches with how spaced apart her title defenses are like that could be a while. Um, and I'm starting to get like late era WCW Goldberg vibes when people were just like, okay, we get it. There's a streak. What next? The streak is not interesting past a certain point. It's just not like, I think it's like, we're waiting for what happens next. Like, is there any just like practical difference between 37 and 0, 50 and 0, 200 and 0, like we're waiting for the one, like, just like we need the next chapter. Like not if the matches don't get longer, not if the matches don't get better. That's true too. You just like, like mows over everybody. And it's just like, again, like Goldberg, like you, you don't get that sense of like, it's getting tougher. Like she's, she's hitting her, her limit. They're giving her bigger challenges. He has to dig deeper and deeper. Every time she just comes out, mows over everybody and, you know, walks back the end. That was easy. Like Next. we have, exactly. We have not yet. We've yet to see Jade really struggle in a match. Does she have moments? Absolutely. There was a moment right off the bat in this match where like, it looked like Athena could like pull out a quick win. I, I thought that would have been a cool way to do it. If you were going to do a squash, but have an Athena squash Jade and then have Jade something to chase, have Jade like, like have them rematch. And maybe even Jade gets the title back. Like there's all kinds of avenues instead, you know, you got the kind of fake out. And then again, it was the same thing we see. And at 37 times, it's just not interesting unless you can let the match go and breathe and go longer and go harder and have Jade pull things out of herself that we haven't seen as an audience yet. We need to believe that there's more to see. Yeah. And I think the fact that the TV, the secondary title, right, has a bigger win streak than the main title feels a little weird, right? Like, why is she holding the main title if she's so dominant? That feels weird. And, you know, I think, too, that if you were going to have her lose the title anywhere, why wasn't it all out? It's your flagship show. Um, Why wouldn't you do it? Now, I agree that it was probably because the build was so lackluster. 
Statlander is probably going to be the person to take it for her, but Statlander is pretty injury prone, unfortunately. And um, I'm excited to have her back. I think there are other people. I mean, I think there are a lot of other people on the roster who could take it from her, but they have to build it to be believable because right now it's like, you know, three backstage promos and then a match. Like before all out, I mean, I know they're terrible about building women's matches to begin with, but like there was just no builds that made this an all out match. No, there was no reason it had to be Athena. That's my biggest issue. Like you could have slotted anyone into that match and it would have been the exact same match with the exact same build. That's the other problem right now. We are getting these feuds with really interesting competitors, but they're not allowed to there. There's nothing specific about it right like athena is a really is, is a great and really interesting wrestler and her uh, perspective and her personality and gimmick will shine through but there's nothing about her in this that makes it particularly compelling to watch her in this feud yeah and that's a story weakness but i i yeah that the the weird slotting of jade in this title despite her being a 37 and 0 powerhouse there's no even slight mentions of her trying to get the other title, right? Right. Yeah, like, why isn't she challenging for the main title? I mean, obviously the answer is because then she'd have to win it, but, like, <laughs> um, it is. Like, yeah, are you yeah, going yeah, to yeah. throw away the streak on a title match, or are you going to have to give her the title and then, you know, book yourself out of that corner? And that's the, mm-hmm. like, the real-life reason they haven't even mentioned it, but, like, from a kayfabe point of view, yeah, you've got this undefeated for two years, completely dominant powerhouse. Why is she not even talking about the title? Yeah. Like, seemingly, she's the only person who can't be beat on the women's roster, and yet there's, like, no inkling. It's It's as if they've put her in a different... They've kept it on a different show and put her in a different, like, like, put her in a different company, essentially. It's the Codyverse all over again. It is kind of the Codyverse, but she didn't say that she wouldn't compete for the title again. If she no, no, that's true. Right, and I think, you know, that's not even, she hasn't only defended on Rampage. There's quite a few Dynamites in there as well, and and also a few uh, pay-per-views. And if you're winning, what, uh, you know, three, four pay-per-view matches, title matches at some point, especially when they sell her as such a confident champion at some point she has to go why am i holding the secondary title i'm going for the real one you know or the not the real one but the the main one it, mm-hmm. it's just unbelievable. I hope she's defended it i should hope she's defended it on uh, dynamite a couple times it's the tbs yeah. championship right. <laughs> exactly <laughs> so cargill retained what that means for athena moving forward i don't know because what did it mean for everyone else who's had this what did it mean my for biggest fear what did it mean yeah, for- my biggest fear is that now that she's lost to jade she's going to go back in the box and they're going to pull out a new toy for jade mm-hmm. I'm, yeah i'm yep. sure that's what's going to happen absolutely that's likely what's going to happen i mean when we think of the fuse that jade has had in the last like year plus um anything with any big build like what did we get from those we didn't get much out of any one after they were done with that jade feud i mean i i still think it's such a shame of how marina shafir ended up being used in that way because i i know we i made a you know what marina shafir is capable of, of doing and and like i know it oh, yeah. and like people who are familiar with her work know how to do it the way it translated in aew was really poor yeah and it, it made her end up coming off like a goof basically 
So it, it breaks my heart. And I don't, I, I'm worried the same thing we'll see with Athena. I'm worried the same thing they'll, they'll keep doing until they just finally decide to end the streak at some R, whatever. I mean, 50 sounds like it's an important number, but it's arbitrary at this point. So what you're saying is Scott Hall needs to show up with a taser. <sighs> I mean, I I she's, <laughs> apparently Jade no, is- it was a cattle prod. <laughs> it's not the worst idea in the world. I wish I got that reference. Well, there's several logistical <laughs> issues with booking Scott Hall right now. Just saying. Um, nothing that we can't reach. I mean, through the power of uh, <laughs> the power of holographic present, we, we can there do you it. Go. CGI. There you go. So our last and uh, you know biggest women's match of the night was a four-way match for the AEW Women's Interim Title because AEW just loves those interim titles Rick Baker I I honestly I really prefer the the New Japan style of like oh are you injured can you not compete sorry we're gonna take the title away from you yep I do too it's just it makes it cleaner there's no weird fake title hanging out that has to be resolved inevitably there's they can move on with their lives and the person injured doesn't feel like they have to be like pressured to come back before they're ready to come back it's the holding pattern yeah, yeah. And like with the the thing with Punk with this was like he got injured in the ring. So if you're getting injured in the ring, the idea is like you can't hold your own against your opponent. I mean, I right ideally. So then why are they allowed to keep the title? Why wouldn't it just be dropped to somebody? I I really don't like the interim title idea. I hate it. It doesn't <laughs> it, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And there was that period of time where there was like an interim t- uh, TNT men's championship and then that title stuck around and the belts are just hanging out and it's like you can't you can't do that. You got to like you, you have to have something much more clean because then the story becomes so convoluted and hard to follow. And if you have your audience ever stopping to ask why, that's a bad thing for wrestling. It should be dumb enough for my toddler to understand. Very true. <laughs> yep. So I like that. This- I've read, I read somewhere <laughs> that the best wrestling stories are the ones you can watch on mute and you can still understand it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Yeah. I think that there's something to be said for like nuance and layered storytelling that goes beyond beyond that but essentially the bones of your story should be very simple to understand yeah um so this four-way match this was a match <laughs> I, I legitimately forgot this match was happening i turned off my stream after the jade match and i was like i think i was photoshopping and i see on the group chat of like oh the four-way women's like i'm like oh fuck that is a match and i had to quickly like pull the stream back up and everything i was just like i i completely forgot it was a match yep it, it was a match um it was the four-way for the AEW Interim World's Women's title. Britt Baker, DMD, versus Jamie Hayter, Hikaru Shida, and Tony Storm. Um, I will say, if you're going to do a four-way match like this and you're going to have it for an interim title, I didn't, I, I actually, I liked who they put in this match. I thought all four of these women had bona fides. They had obviously been building to something between Thunder Rosa and Storm, um, Baker's obviously the previous champion. Hater has established herself as a genuine threat out like in, in matches both on television and um on their side properties. And she does a former champion as well. And I'm just never gonna knock having Hikaru Shida in the ring. So any excuse to get her there, I'm fine with. I have one so- major gripe with that match right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Why was Thunder Rosa not there on commentary? Big. Be- yeah. 
Oh, it's for your interim title. The winner is going to challenge you. In theory, you should be scoping out the competition, not even an awkward 45 degree angle watching it from the back. Like they just didn't mention her at all. Yeah, um, I I am sure that there are people out there that are well versed in all the gossip and backstage rumors and et cetera, et cetera. I, I, yeah, there's I, I'm sure I there's don't... a million real life reasons. But from a kayfabe perspective, why was she not there? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. Not any sense at all. I don't understand. There wasn't, there was no shot of her observing. There was no acknowledgement of her being in the position. Didn't even to say her to. name. Yeah. It, it's as if they want to erase. I mean, then why make this an interim title? Again, we come back exactly. to that. If your purpose is to erase Thunder Rosa from this picture, then why is this interim with the understanding that she will be challenged at some point? Instead, yeah. it's just this confusing mess where you put your four favorites in the ring and you completely forget that there is a champion that you have not taken the belt off of. Right. Yeah. yeah. Super irritating. Um, and this is just a classic example of what would they not do for the mat? Like, would they do this in the men's division? No. Mm. Unless that well, person could not be on commentary for some legit reason. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they love giving Punk the mic. <laughs> oh, yeah. They love giving him the mic. I mean, Jesus. At some point, I'm like, He's going to make stop. an announcement. Yeah, right. Like, Ugh, get off the mic. Say something. <laughs> he's going to say something, and they keep saying something, and then the show's going to be over, and then he's going to get on another mic, and he's going to keep saying other things. Right. Pretty much. So, that aside, um, this match. Um, I actually, this one redeemed the Cargill and Athena match to me because I was a little worried after that, like less than five minute uh, display following, Betty, you made the great point that the Jade and Athena match followed that, uh, the trios title match, Mm -hmm. which was what, like 30 minutes? Yeah, it was the bathroom break match. Like that's what it was. That's why it was there. Yep. Yep. Precisely, precisely. Let the crowd reset, let the crowd kind of recover, go buy a hot dog match. And then after this four minutes and 20 seconds, now we can get back to the real wrestling. Yeah, yeah. treated every bit like a bath match. Yep. So this four-way match didn't feel that way. Um, this was no, given time. thank God. This was given time to breathe. And I thought right away, um, what was really fun, a fun game that you could play when watching the beginning of this match is, tell me the three women in this match who have wrestled in Japan. <laughs> right. No uh, shit against that, that's a really good point. No shit against Baker, but um, it's incredible to see what Sheeta Storm and Hater can do when they are matched up against each other and given free reign to just go full force. And I will say, Britt's Britt has she has. I mean, it wasn't a lot, but back in 2018, she did wrestle about three four matches for stardom and actually with uh kylie ray and somebody else had challenged for the artist of stardom title titles. oh yeah you are you absolutely Font of right. knowledge <laughs> it was i think she was a part of rise i think it's when they had a um a joint show but it was in japan and i mean it's, it it does not anywhere near the other threes not anywhere near but um yeah i think a lot of people are surprised i mean she Britt, when she's given the room to breathe and and grow, she's and and certainly with people like Kylie Ray, who she's worked with before, is really great. And I think you could see that here because you know, granted, so I, I did some research and and Jamie, there's only two matches where these people have sort of run into each other before. 
Jamie versus Tony versus Chris Wolf at Eve in 2018. Jamie won. Oh, Chris Wolf. And then Jamie versus Britt actually at Eve in 2019, where Jamie won. <laughs> so I mean, they know each other pretty well, especially if you you count the stuff that they're doing in AW. So I think that came off really well in the match, and there wasn't much clunkiness here. No, I I thought there was that a was lot very of smooth. I thought it was like very seamless. And those who don't have like prior history outside of AEW have history in a in AEW. I think Baker and Sheeta have great chemistry. I think they have yes. enormous chemistry as as opponents. Some of the best women's matches we have seen in AEW have been between Hikaru Shida and, and Britt Baker. Baker and Hayter have a lived-in dynamic at this point that so that the things that they were doing with that team throughout the match were really compelling. How Storm fit into that was interesting to me. I was a little nervous about her her taking the win here. Not because I don't like Tony Storm. That's not it. Obviously we all mm-hmm. like Tony Storm. My How problem is <laughs> my problem the problem is what do you do with Tony Storm now? Like, what is yeah. that? What, what does that story look like with Tony Storm having this interim title? Who, what do you do with her? Who, who? What is her purpose? What is her story you here? With hate, put him with Thunder Rosa, apparently. Yeah, apparently, theoretically, <laughs> if Thunder Rosa still exists on this if, earth. If this had been a regular title match instead of an interim title match, you have a lot more options. But it's interim, so her next stop is Thunder Rosa. My interest here was a potential of hater getting this. And I think that that yeah. might've been the richest the ground for storytelling. The crowd, the crowd wanted hater. It was yes. wonderful to see the crowd. There was a couple moments throughout the show like this, where the crowd kind of went from, oh, we like you, but we're not, you know, we don't, we're not stoked about you to towards the end of a match being like, no, we're totally stoked about you. You could, um, <laughs> that was especially evident in, I know this is a men's match, but the tag match is my favorite match of the night. So we're going to talk about it. The, um, the AW tag match between Swerve and Lee uh, or uh, Swerve and Lee versus the acclaimed because someone made yes. on Twitter a really astute point that was like, you could see the crowd. They all like the acclaimed because it's like, Oh, they claim meme guys. We love them. Yeah. We, we enjoy them to no, these guys legit are great wrestlers. We really want them to win this. There were moments in this match where you could feel the palpable shift of the crowd being like, wait, Jamie hater, Jamie hater could win this. And we would be happy about that. Oh, yeah. yeah, she yeah, she really came off as a fan favorite. I don't I mean there probably was. I don't particularly remember anybody else being chanted for, especially not at the you know, the decibel that Hater was. I think mm-hmm. she really shined in this match. Like she showed off her chops as a heel. She she laid off the lines to the camera, big emotion, big mocking energy, and she had really great like spots. I mean, the tombstone, the tombstone pile driver. Uh, that Tony, was great. Out of out of a was... pinning predicament, she like just picked her up. And I think from a storytelling perspective, it is compelling that you know haters like hater was going to win this match before Britt's interference. Britt could have won this match without haters interference. They were building discord there, but I think it might've been more satisfying from my perspective. If that discord had continued with some, with one of those women taking the interim title, specifically Jamie hater storm, taking advantage of that and being this kind of wild card that gets the, gets the win because these two are not working in like working in uh, tandem that, that, that works in the ring. It, because yeah. AEW has such a shaky record with how it treats champion women's champions, um, it makes me nervous for that reason. Not because I don't find Tony Storm compelling or a credible threat here. It's just like my my big question, my big takeaway is like, okay, what 
what now? Please, are you gonna are you gonna reho her? Are you gonna are you gonna <laughs> like <laughs> like what are you gonna do with Tony Stark? Myla. Yeah, I think yeah. I expected to be honest, Sheeta to eat the pin just because she has spent so much time across seas, and then it would make sense that she would eat the pin. Um, but I think I mean, here's the thing. It's like you got to they have to do something with this interim. I mean, they should with this interim woman's title. And Jamie eats the pin. And to me, that that then snowballs this Jamie versus Brit stuff. Mm -hmm. And then then maybe that's how they get into the interim title picture is is that because, you know, Jamie gets pinned. She's obviously super pissed at Brit um, from stealing it. And like I, I was telling Warren last night, it makes sense. Like, yes, it's a heel move, but there are no friends in a title picture. And so at some point you got to separate, um, it just, especially as heels. It makes no sense. Just like how Thunderstorm was a thing. Make no sense to me. Why would you pair up with the title holder when you want the title? That's the ultimate goal. So I'm hoping this then just sets up this actual, now we, we've got it. We've got the... Jamie versus Brit. Jamie eats the pin. Now it's this race for for Tony because they have to do. I mean, they have to do something with this title. Otherwise, there's no women's matches on <laughs> AW. Well, what are we gonna do at nine twenty five? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, with Hater or Baker taking this title, you would at least be assured that the timing of the match would be like eight fifty, right? Yeah. <laughs> you would think so um, tony storm is our interim women's champion um i'm curious as to how quickly we can see these titles be unified i'm interested to see if they acknowledge on dynamite um that they acknowledge us with thunder rosa um because i don't know there was something so odd about that such quick pro like <laughs> How do you give up a tight? How do you step away as title holder for injury in a what? How long was that promo that Thunder Rosa seven gave? Minutes. Yeah, someone said like, seven or eight minutes. Yeah, like, seven minutes backstage, one shot. It's just it's heartbreaking because you can you can have your doubts about Thunder Rosa as a as a wrestler. You can have your speculations about her as a professional. You can have your rightfully justified um, concerns about how she was booked. But at this point, it feels as if they just want to withdraw her completely. And where that makes Tony interesting in this picture is, is, uh, is a curiosity to me. Because what's the excitement about a, a title unification match, uh, Tony Storm versus Thunder Rosa, if we know that they just want Thunder gone? Yeah, I will say, so, you know, I'm sure we can talk about... We can talk about the scrum. I also have stats that we can talk about too. But you know, at this, <laughs> if we want to be depressed, um, oh, oh the this, scrum, we're going there. Well, or and the and the stats too. But just you know, briefly with the scrum, you know, people were um, very weirded out by uh, Tony's comments about, well, you know, she says she's injured. So when she says she's not injured, and I think a lot of us read a lot into that because the mm -hmm. punk thing had just happened. And we're like, oh, everyone's going to talk shit today. So I think we read a lot into it. When I watched it again this morning, personally, I felt like this was a, a little bit of a promo. Like, 
Okay. Which then makes sense, right? So then maybe that's your angle. Like, well, she says she's hurt. Um, so when she says she's not, right, like this unbelievable thing, maybe that's what she was getting at. Um, or maybe she was just really tired, <laughs> or maybe she was talking shit. But to me, I mean, maybe that's an angle. Even if she was talking shit, we know AW is really good about taking real life drama and turning it into a story. Yeah. Which that's I mean, a whole other discussion that I'm getting a little tired of that too the whole work shoot thing like that's not what I watch wrestling for (laughs) yeah uh in the grand tradition of wrestling when we obsess over the idea of something being a work or something being a shoot it it essentially if if all parties agree that they want to continue making money then no matter what has been said or what has been done or who meant what or what was real and what was fiction they will make a story out of it and it will ascend, it will hit the ring at some point. Right. The problem with the yeah. women's division is that I never have the faith that it will be anything more than just a, a quick shot to like finish the deal. Well, look at the whole, what was it? The sandbagging? Like yeah. it was a whole thing. People were talking. There was Twitter. That was, you know, I think there was like a t-shirt and she came out with a literal sandbag once. And then that was it. And then nothing happened. Yeah. Like that's not that's not making a storyline out of a problem. That's taking a cheap shot for no reason and then moving on with your day. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, so Kristen, you said you have some stats. Yeah. Um, do you want to be sad? I am. <laughs> Let's get the numbers. The I numbers imagine. don't lie. I don't. That's why I did it. And really it's like it was just out of curiosity. Like I know deep down in my heart I, like most aw fans or non-aw fans that they the women got the short end of the stick but i was just curious how short the end of the stick was and so i counted i counted the tag like we're doing now i counted the tag match uh the mixed tag as a women's match because there were women in it and you know when i'm comparing match time i mean they had like what 26 minutes total something like that which there were a few matches like like Danielson versus Jericho that were almost almost 24 alone they had 18.9 percent of match time like just abysmal just match time yeah that's just not counting promos I mean that's literally bell to bell 18 percent oh my god yeah super sad um obviously they had three women's matches out of 15 so I mean easy math says that's 20 percent um which I mean, if you think about it, that's a trend for them. It's definitely not like uh, atypical. I mean, we all kind of expected it, but I just wanted to confirm it. Um, and then I thought it might be interesting to look at the the number of wrestlers used. Uh, so they used eight women, um, which is like thirty one percent of their roster for their women's roster, which is sad. Eight eight women is almost a third of their women's roster, yes. and they use. Yeah, they used 46 men, which is 46, which is 46% of the roster, which like, oh, you okay. Like I was telling Kevin from PWI about this. It's like, oh, well, that's pretty close percentage. I said, yeah, but it's 46 men. So it's, Hmm. they have a hundred guys on their roster that are, does that that mean they have a hundred men on the roster? Yeah. Yep. So yeah. Yeah. So when you look at it that way, I was like, wow, that is. If you just look at that percentage, you're like, oh, cool. But then you remember that it's eight women and 46 dudes. And so 
eight eight women were used out of 54 total wrestlers. That's 14.8%. Didn't even reach 15%. And <laughs> I know a lot of the matches were trios, tags, but they're still getting match time. They're still getting match time. And not only that, there are titles for that. There are so many men's titles in AEW now. I was about to say, there was a brand new trios title brought out. and Yeah, all Atlantic. And I mean, I'm just, I'm to the point now where, like, I think if you've noticed, I didn't tweet at all this weekend. Because I'm getting to the point now where I feel like I'm shouting into a void and it's frustrating. And we're all doing that. I mean, and I... <sighs> That's sort of why I fell back. It's like, look, I see all the people complaining and I, they don't, they know how I feel. They don't need to add to it. Um, AW knows how I feel. So it's just so frustrating. And at some point you're like, why? And, and then for Tony to come out and plainly say, well, they don't draw. And yeah, I mean, I already, I already heard that. (laughs) I already heard, I already heard that from certain PR members. I won't have to go into that story, but I've heard literally from the mouth of PR members that, well, they don't get the ratings. Okay, well, we don't have to go into that argument. That'll take three hours. But I mean, these numbers are just sad. And it's like, it's at some point I go, okay, yeah, I expected this. And not that other promotions are doing super great. I mean, not one of them got anywhere near 50% when I did my half year stats, not anywhere near. But, but AW is is just on trend for being the lowest and it's so sad because they have so much momentum behind them and money because i yeah. totally forgot about this until just now i would like to do a special what is it like reverse anti shout out because holy shit so much aggression like there's a sale at a department store <laughs> what the fuck was that jr oh, oh yeah. boy yeah um I think we can all uh, acknowledge JR's great contributions to the uh, history of pro wrestling. And even his ardent defenders can admit that he should not be on commentary anymore. Take him off of commentary. He's done with commentary. It's, it's, that, it's that meme with like the little old lady. She's like, I was a great commentator. That's great, grandma. Let's get you home. Like, <laughs> yeah. bring, right. it out for, bring it out for one match uh, per pay-per-view. Um, give him his big intro, celebrate his his career, his legacy, the fact that he and his wife sing Cat of Personality to their cat. Like, these are all things that we champion, that we adore, but please stop having him on commentary for more than one match. Don't let him anywhere near the women's matches. Stop it, stop it, stop it. I, I like JR. My, my husband has given me a full, uh, like full on education about why I should appreciate JR. And I believe yeah. him. And I think he's, yeah. he's like a nice man who has decent intentions. Please yeah. take him off a of commentary. Take him off now. It is becoming embarrassing. Yeah, I agree. Like, I mean, you watch him on these docs as a talking head and he actually seems like the only one with a head on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. And I know yeah. that, you know, he is also sick, which plays a part, but then mm-hmm. if he's sick, and burying, I mean, it's not just the women's division. He has buried the talent um, on commentary. You're like, geez, like, this is your company. Why are you burying them? It's not your job. And, or he'll get things wrong, completely wrong. Um, last night, I made the comment that he was now turning into the uh, John Madden of a, uh, AW commentary. Like, he was saying That's things a perfect that analogy. That's a perfect incredibly analogy. Incredibly obvious. <laughs> At one point, he goes, so uh, this is 
this is a wrestling match. Thank you, John Madden. (laughs) We know. So if you're going to have, if you're going to have three, sometimes four dudes on commentary, or they can't even sit around the table properly, Mm -hmm. they should all, they should all bring something to the table. And it shouldn't like, there's, you know, you think of like Corey Graves and sure he sort of buries the the talents, but in a way that's clearly kayfabe and heel. But then I think of like Bailey was on commentary for the the women's tag team match, and she was like, "Yeah, these women are really good wrestlers, but they're not me." And that's what you could do to sort of bury somebody, but also not <laughs> bury your whole entire company. And at some at some point, TK has to realize that having every historical person in wrestling isn't always going to help your product. Like. Yes, we know who he is. And yes, you feel sorry for him. You want him to have a paycheck, but just let him be a legend. He doesn't have to be on commentary. Let him do backstage interview. Let him do backstage segments. Let him do something. Absolutely. Celebrate the man and give him a paycheck and give him a place. But you don't have to give him a spot at the commentary table. Because at this point, it doesn't even seem like he wants it. But I, I think Excalibur needs help. Excalibur needs help with with you know all the fifteen thousand shows he has to plug and good lord like I we I think Excalibur doesn't talk at all during a show day until it's time to commentate because how <laughs> how, save his how do you yeah how do you save your throat how do you not start coughing in the middle of things I mean <laughs> how like he must be that- breathing exercises how do you not pass out at some point like his lung capacity is amazing. There's that one clip going around Twitter where he plugs like 16 different shows inside of 45 seconds. And it's ridiculous, like flawlessly too, like doesn't trip over any of it. And I don't understand why they have to be like, oh, Dynamite Live and Bumfuck Ohio, you know, or something like, like, just, you don't have to do that. (laughs) Like, You don't have to plug every single show. The fans are going to come to that show, know about it and and know where to find the stuff. You don't have to do every single show four times a show yeah it's why it's why they have you know on-screen graphics and advertisements and the fact that it's weekly television so we know it's going somewhere um (laughs) give excalibur a little bit of break um okay i want to end things on a positive note um delicious man in a mask (laughs) (laughs) oh my god uh that's the positive note we're ending on (laughs) (laughs) nobody makes me as happy as william regal on commentary um i want uh just feedback from both of you what is one positive takeaway for the women's division from last night what's one thing that we enjoyed from the women's action from AEW's all out Uh, well i will say just the even hint of intergender the fact that the match for the tag matches that it started off with ruby just pounding Sammy into the ground, which is always, regardless of the match, is always a great thing. Um, so just even the hint of it, and they not just with them, they've done it with a few other matches as well, is really promising. It just, not that I think there's going to be full under gender, but it tells me that people are opening up their minds a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Mayday? Um, I, I will say the, uh, almost said the main event, but you know what I mean, the four-way <laughs> interim title match. Um, the match itself was very, very good. Like not getting into the booking or the finish or the the scrum or <laughs> the participants that were in it, but bell to bell with those four wrestlers, the match was very, 
very good. Yeah, I, I, I feel like maybe I did a disservice to the match by talking about my my concerns about the way it worked, or the way it shook out, the way it was booked. But the match itself, absolutely great. I thought all four women were firing on all cylinders. And I actually, one of my favorite moments in the entire night of all the action was Sheeta coming back, returning to the yes. two candlesticks yes. and the look of murder in her face. And the pop that, that came from, oh, you know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And this match, I don't remember, uh, you guys probably know what the timing was better than I do, but this match, this match went the distance. This went, this had legs to it. They let this match go. Yeah, it was almost 15 minutes. And I, I also did that because I'm a nerd and ranked shortest to longest. And it's, it's above the midpoint. So oh, as far as times, yeah. It's above the awesome. Midpoint. And it was followed up by its own like little bathroom break segment because the Christian Cage Jungle Boy match ended up True. being what it was. So, like, oh, yeah, and um, I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, apparently Cage was injured. That's why it was so short, I guess. Apparently, yeah. Uh, hey, um, whatever gets us back, what whatever brings us to the return of um, adorable Jungle Sister, uh, works for me. Purely, <laughs> um, the MVP of every pay per view involving Jungle Boy. Um, uh adorable jungle sister just you know uh to find me i got i can give you my number <laughs> tell me your Whoa. hair secrets um really your sweaters were really cute like uh just really into jungle boy sister <laughs> that's amazing that's the first time i've heard that that's amazing really uh, what i talk about yeah. i mean anytime she's on a pay-per-view i talk about her yeah Oh, well, I don't, I try not to scroll Twitter anymore as much as I can, but I'll, I'll pay attention to you from now on. I'll <laughs> send you my first question. Okay. Yes. Oh, yeah. Please do. Her, her crush on Jungle Sister is well documented. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I have two wolves inside of me and one of them is hot for William Regal and one of them is hot for Jungle Boy Sister. Both, both totally understandable. Yeah. Totally understandable. Yep, they, they run yeah. in the same pack. all right friends for those listening out there Kristen ashley you being the font of knowledge for women's wrestling that you are where can people get more from you where can they find you oh god um so i'm on twitter at Kristen ashley um ashley's got no e in it thanks and uh most of my stuff now um belt bells is on a hiatus just for personal reasons we just don't have the time so it'll it'll be back um so right now you can find me in pwi um in the magazine hopefully in their blog soon uh don't forget women's 150 is coming out about mm, a little over a month from now and i i will say i am extremely excited about this list in a way that i have not been excited before so hyping it up and it's worth the hype like it's gonna be good that's so exciting when does the 150 come out uh, so I think the digital comes out like mid-October, I want to say. So we have the 500 coming out on the 15th digital. Um, and then, so it'll be about a month from that. Fantastic. We will absolutely be uh, strong-arming you and Kevin into coming and talking about the list <laughs> with us once it's released. I don't think you'll have to try very hard. <laughs> we'll come talk about it. We're excited. And Mayday, where can people find you and find updates about CFU? Uh, I am on Twitter and Instagram as at Mayday86, M-A-Y-Y-D-A-Y-Y-86. 
Um, CFU is on also Twitter and Instagram at Combat Fight ULTD because there's a character limit. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, our next live show is September 10th. I'm not sure when this is going to air, but in case it airs after the 10th, that show will premiere on IWTV on September 20th. So. Woohoo! And those of you listening out there, hopefully you're tuning in to Great and Glitter on a weekly basis, but make sure that you have subscribed to us so you can make to get all of our content as we release it every Tuesday and sometimes other days too. You never know. Sometimes we have bonus episodes. So rate, review, and subscribe. We don't say that enough, but honestly, if you're listening and you haven't rated and reviewed us, it helps us find more listeners. It helps us reach more people and it helps us spread the word of the wrestling that you love. So help us and, you know, take a minute, give us five stars, only five stars. I will not take anything less than five stars. Don't you dare give us less than five stars. (laughs) Also, if you really like us and you miss Harley, you got to make sure to subscribe to our Grit and Glitter Patreon at gritglitterpod, patreon.com. We have bonus podcasts available for people who subscribe at the $5 and up level monthly. And I will just say that the research that Harley is doing for the Women's Wrestling Entertainment podcast is just some of the best research I've seen um, on wrestling ever. So um, what he is doing is so detail oriented, so beat by beat. We're really like getting into the nitty gritty of women's wrestling in the WWE, the history of it, and you know the the good times and the bad times and the non-existent <laughs> times as we are quickly getting into the wasteland years. Um, so make sure that you listen to that, and you can find that on our Patreon. When you subscribe to our Patreon, you're not just giving me and Harley money to blow on AEW pay per views. You are giving us money. <laughs> that we can put back into the wrestling ecosystem. We sponsor various wrestling promotions when we can. We like to do that to give back and your money and subscription help us do that. So, you know, give us money so we can give them money and everybody wins, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. And if you have a question, comment, or concern, you can always reach us on our Twitter at Great Glitter Pod. You can also email us at our Gmail, greatglitterpodcast at gmail.com. I think that's it for now. Next week, we'll be back with more amazing stuff about women's wrestling and hopefully more promotions that do a better job of booking them (laughs) with prominence and respect. (laughs) Over 15%. Over 15%. Preferably.